What is happening, everybody? Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access, my fifth hour on the radio this evening. I'm John Harris, football and I'll sell that report for you, Houston Texans, and filling in for Sean Pendergast on, on uh, Payne Pendergast right here on Sports Radio 610. So I am in my fifth hour radio, but you're going to hear why somebody's even more impressive tonight because that man's going to be speaking more than I am. And we're going to find out who that is in just a second. But a happy 4th of July to all of you. I know it's a day after, but Mark had the show last night. He took care of it and got it done. And so I didn't have a chance to wish you happy 4th of July. And I don't know that I did the day before, which I should have. But sometimes you got a million things going on. And you got to remember this promo and that promo. And by the way, speaking of promos, six days from now, Tuesday, July 11th, out at BMW of the Woodlands. Mark and I are going to be out there doing a Texans all-access live show. We're going to have Texas cheerleaders. Our man CP Chester Pitt's going to be out there. We're going to give away a training camp tickets, tickets to a Texans game, HEB stuff. I mean, we got all kinds of stuff. So get on out there next Tuesday, July 11th, BMW of the Woodlands. Get hang, Go out there and hang out with Mark and I. Uh, we're going to have a good time. And then... In the morning, I go to Dallas, Big 12 media days. So at least that's the way it sits right now. We'll see if my credential gets uh, approved, uh, but hopefully we'll uh, get there for next week. So it should be a busy next week. But we're going live, live, live BMW of the Woodlands, Tuesday, July 11. All right, let's get to our guest for this evening's proceedings. It's a guy you heard today on In the Loop and not Landry Locker. And John Lopez is on vacation, so our man Brandon K. Scott. I just like saying the middle initial. It's cool. Brandon Scott, I think, is one of the most talented dudes you're going to find in this city. He went to Sam Houston. He is of Houston. He has lived here his entire life. If there is anybody that knows and loves this city, loves its city sports teams, can break it down, can tell you in different ways, one of the best at press conferences, Brandon Scott is that guy. He is absolutely phenomenal and a tremendous dude to boot. I loved having the opportunity to do radio with him. I think we did it last summer. I think Sean and Seth were out of vacation and he and I had an opportunity to do some shows together and he drove the bus and he did it tremendously. He does he does everything. I mean, he is the Swiss Army knife that you need to have. And he's not one of those little tiny Swiss Army knives. Like he's a big massive one. Anything you need, you need screwdrivers, you need chopsticks, uh you need scissors, uh you need a scalpel. Uh, you need a toothpick. Like It's all in there. That's what Brandon Scott is because he does it for all sports. Uh, the uh, podcast that he does with Adam Spillane is tremendous on, on, uh, on basketball and the Rockets and then talking about the Astros. I mean, he covers it all. The man knows it all. And D.P. Sidhu had a chance to do a deep slant, deep dive into Brandon Scott. And that's what we got for you to kick off this show I know you're going to love it because I know you love Brandon Scott. And if you're going, wait a second, I'm not sure I know who Brandon Scott is. Well, take a listen. You'll find out. You'll love this man just like all of us do. Here's Brandon Scott with DP Sidhu. All right, joining me today, Brandon Scott from Sports Radio 610. He writes for The Chronicle. He's the host of the B-Block podcast. B. Scott, who, B. B Scott, we, you and I did a pre-draft show. We did. And it was so much fun that I said, we've got to do this again. So I yes. thought, why not bring you back here yes, in the heat time. of the summer? 
Uh, we, I want to talk to you about burning training camp questions, yes. OTAs. We're going to recap all that. But first of all, my friend, how have you been? I have been great. I'm glad to be here. Anytime I get invited to do some work with you guys, whether it's on radio or on television, I think y'all do such an incredible job. Oh, thank that you. I, I find it to be an honor to be even associated with you guys. Like to be, hey, we're the Texans radio and Texans media crew is interested in B Scott coming in and joining <laughs> the party. Like that is a, that is a truly an honor for me. So I'm just glad to be here. Honestly. Well, I am happy to have you. And I just feel like you talk about Texans so much. You've been filling in um, on sports radio, six ten in the morning for yep. Seth Payne. So I feel like you're just as plugged in as pretty much anyone else around here. Agreed. You were out here quite a bit for OTAs and veteran mini camp. So let's start there. Your impressions. I know everybody wanted to see CJ Stroud and the rookies. When you left minicamp at the end of it, what were your overall impressions of this rookie class? So, well, with the let's rookie, start with CJ Stroud. Okay, so I was going to say the rookie class. I have a, I have so many, but <laughs> specific to the rookie class, I thought CJ Stroud fit the bill of what we thought he was, and I and I would say that I know you asked about CJ Stroud, but I would put that with CJ Stroud and Will Anderson in terms of the expectation, the projection what you think this player could be. Obviously, they haven't played any competitive NFL football yet, but just within the context and within the framework of what we've been able to watch and see them do, C.J. Stroud stands out. Like, they've got other options at quarterback that they can go to, right? Davis Mills is still here. They, we brought in Case Keenum in the building, and, and that's a whole other thing that's just awesome to see Case back around. It really is, it's, yeah. It's great to have him back around, truly. But C.J. Stroud stands out amongst the group, which is something that you were hoping for, something that you were expecting, and something that I would say rang true in rookie minicamp and OTAs and mandatory mandatory camp. I, I, I thought his command of the huddle, yeah. I mean, we've seen rookie quarterbacks come in here in the offseason, and they're, they're, they have to get their feet under them, so I had kind of, not low expectations, but not super high. Yeah. And I thought just the way he was commanding the offense, like he's still getting up to speed. I just thought his body language looked really good. And, and he had a, some really great throws. He had some throws that were not so great, which is kind of what you expect. But I thought overall, he didn't seem so out of place being a rookie. Yeah, and I think that you want to be cautious in tempering your expectations for rookies. For sure. The more difficult the position, and that's not to say any of it is easy, but I think it's fair to say that the quarterback has the steepest learning curve, especially if the expectation is, you know, number two overall pick, this is going to be the guy at some point eventually. Like those expectations and that learning curve for the quarterback, I think, is the steepest. And considering that, I would agree with you that the command of the huddle, another thing that stood out to me, not just from watching him, but from hearing teammates, coaches, and management talk about C.J. Stroud is his thirst for knowledge, mm -hmm. it, it just how inquisitive he is. And I guess maybe this is the journalist in me or the media person in me who's naturally curious, but I've got an appreciation for anybody that goes into a job, a new job, new role, new scene, whatever it is, and they're not just in there going through the motions or expecting everything to happen for them right away, but they're genuinely curious about how to get better and how to perfect their craft. And that's one of the things about C.J. Stroud that I've been able to glean just from more so from hearing others talk about him. And you expect people to say positive things about someone at this time of year, 
but also get the sense that it's genuine and that it's pretty much on brand for what people have said about CJ Stroud. Yeah, I, I thought uh, there were a couple of players that told some stories about CJ's, DBs, yeah. about CJ Stroud coming up to them after practice or during practice. And I thought uh, defensive coordinator Matt Burke told a great story yeah. about how they showed him a look that they hadn't shown in practice yet. And he didn't have a great throw, but afterwards he walked up to Burke and he wanted to understand the coverage a little bit better, what he could have done better. And they had a whole 10 minute discussion on it. So, yeah, uh, yeah that is. It, you know, like to hear the specific stories around it, you know that they're not just playing you lip service, that he he really is very inquisitive. And, and a lot of players on the defensive side of the ball have said that, as and, well as offensive. And then the underlying part about that that's pretty good, that's not necessarily specific to C.J. Stroud, but more so specific to the defense, because I've heard GM Nick Casario come on our very radio station on Sports Radio 610 and talk about that play and it really being like the plays that C.J. Stroud's talking about or that mm -hmm. Matt Burke's talking about in relation to C.J. Stroud also be in cases of the defense doing a good job of disguising their looks and you know we're evaluating everything we want <laughs> yeah. cj stroud to be great but also we want this defense to be improved and to be really good so that's kind of a it's a two-part cool story of here's the rookie quarterback if you're a texans fan here's your rookie quarterback genuinely curious trying to perfect their craft but also here's your defense you know showing some sort of uh you know some some sort of ability to disguise and to catch on to the new defensive scheme that D'Amico Ryan's is bringing in. All right, so, bringing since in. you brought it up, I mean what it, what were your impressions of D'Amico Ryan's as head coach? D'Amico Ryan's is interesting because I was trying to find out especially with him being a first-year head coach, first-time head coach, what kind of head coach is he? Is he the yeller is he the guy that Yeah, right? I found myself doing the same. Yeah. Is he more of the walk around <laughs> coach? And to be fair to D'Amico, I think he's still probably figuring out sort of exactly how how he's going to. It's not like they've had a thousands of practices or anything. They've yeah. only had just, just this limited time. So I think to be fair to him, he's still probably figuring it out. But I also got the sense that D'Amico Ryans is going to be the type who's going to be heavily involved, but also going to allow his coaches to do their job. Gonna, like he didn't hire these guys. They, the, the Texans did not hire this coaching staff just for D'Amico Ryans to run it with an iron fist. They hire these guys to do their jobs, and I get the sense from D'Amico Ryans, even from talking to Nick Casario and hearing him speak, that they really feel confident in this coaching staff and really want them to feel empowered. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a great observation because I found myself doing the same. But, you know, didn't you feel like you had to stop and really look for D'Amico yes. on the field? Yes. Like, I don't know. I just expected him to be out there screaming or yelling, and I would just automatically know where he was at all times. But, you know, there were times where I thought, wait, wait where did he go? Oh, he's with the offense now. He's just sort of observing but he's in the mix with the players but he also sort of looks like a player yep. so he just sort of blends right in yep. with everybody and i and i think brett coomer of of the chronicle he was he had his camera out one day he said Where, where's Demico? Yeah. he was asking me and i said i, I he's over here yeah. like he just sort of moves about all the position groups pretty effortlessly yeah it's, it sounds like it was a common question when we were out there because i got some of the same stuff and when we would do it was it was kind of a where's waldo kind of element <laughs> he just sort of blends right in right? yeah he blends right in and so you're like okay and, and i narrowed it down to this dp i said okay find the coach that looks like it could easily be out be there, up there yeah put and, and with respect to the coaching staff most of the guys are in pretty good shape but I don't know if there's anybody on the staff that quite looks like a player as much as D'Amico Ryans right, does. Right, right. So you try to do that. You, can, you know what D'Amico Ryans' build and frame and look is. So you're like, okay, what's the closest thing to that that also looks like a player? And that's usually where D'Amico Ryans is or who D'Amico Ryans is. And then to your point, 
somewhere in the mix, right in the thick of something. Yeah, because sometimes you see coaches sort of distance themselves from the players or watching from a vantage point. He was right there with the players yep. watching it from their vantage point. So Absolutely. I think that made it like, you know, not that he wasn't vocal, but he just sort of blended in with the players. He was wherever they were. Yeah. All right, let's get into our burning training camp questions because now that we've got that in the books, I think that we sort of have these questions every year heading into camp. Uh, the the big cliffhanger, obviously, the quarterback yes. question, which D'Amico said there's nobody's solidified a starting spot in reference to C.J. Stroud. So let's take quarterback out of it because yep. obviously that's going to be the biggest question. What? Give me what your biggest question is heading into training camp. I have a branch that's off the quarterback question, so it's not okay, quarterback, but it, it is a branch. I feel that, like I can guess what it is, but yeah, go it's ahead. close. It's very closely related, and yeah. it has to do with who the quarterback takes the ball from and when the oh, game starts. Oh, okay, that's not where I. Or thought when, that the, was when, going. The, when uh-huh. the play starts, I should say. And that is what's going to happen at center. because, and, and that's not to say that it is the thing that's going to make or break the season. But to me, it is a curious case because you have an incumbent. You have someone in Scott Quesenberry mm-hmm. who stepped in for you admirably in a position that I don't think he was planned to be in going into the year. And he did so admirably. And, and honestly, I was having this discussion with another one of our colleagues just yesterday. If Scott Quesenberry goes out there and is your star at the center, I don't think many people are going to bat an eye or like really be all like up in arms about it. But they also did go out and address the position in the draft. And there is some excitement, I think, about that as well. That's to a far lesser degree than, say, the quarterback or the guy that goes out and gets the quarterback and Will Anderson. But to me, even going into the draft, I like the idea of drafting a young quarterback and also pairing him with a young with center. a young center yeah i just like the idea of them coming up together growing together yeah and training camp is going to give us an opportunity to gauge not just the quarterback's readiness as we've discussed but also the center position so what happens there it's not necessarily the like the the most glamorous type of position battle or burning question but to me it is a relevant one because it's one that you certainly addressed in the offseason, both I think in free agency and in the draft. So what exactly happens at center? We've got other questions about the offensive as well. But in training camp, especially once there's more contact, like we didn't see a lot of contact, right, right. In, in these in these offseason programs. But in training camp, we will. We will see joint practices once, the, once week two comes against Miami and week three against the, the, the New Orleans Saints. So how all of that comes to be or how it comes together is something that I'm really interested in observing. I felt like in minicamp, if we had to decide right then and there, it was probably going to be Scott Questenberry. We saw Juice Scruggs get in there a bit, yep. but not really so much with the first team. Right. But I, I like what you're saying with, you know, it's not like you've got this veteran center who's always done it a certain way. Now the rookie's got to come in and he's got to adjust. They're both going to figure out their way together, that communication. I, I think center is definitely one of the top questions heading into camp, especially with Justin Britt. Like you, you felt like that spot was solidified with him the last two years. Yep. And then with everything that transpired with him and then Scott Questenberry, Jimmy Morrissey's on the squad, right. who's also started at center two years ago uh, when, you know, we were going through everything with COVID. So uh, I'll, I'll give you one. Uh, John Mechie, yes. his status. Yeah. I think we're all sort of watching with bated breath. We thought we would see him out here in, o- in many camps and OTAs, but he's been dealing with a hamstring issue. Uh, you know, he's coming back after not playing all last year, dealing with leukemia, and, and and everybody is waiting to see that wide receiver position group and where Mechie can fit in. I'm so glad that you mentioned him because I'm just, I'm going to say this in full transparency with John Mechie. 
he's been someone because of the leukemia diagnosis and the severity of that and like just that's we're talking about real life and, and yeah his, and his health i have been up until this off season and really the the further we've gotten into it and the closer to the actual season we've gotten into it the more comfortable i've become in even discussing him because for me in my mind the priority was just john met john mechie's health as a human being like right? just, get healthy, just get healthy right yeah like honestly football is way way secondary after abso- all that absolutely but to that point from what we've heard from management from coaches even seeing john mechie a time or two around the facility it seems like and i remember hearing nick casario talk about coming up coming up here to do workouts on fridays and john mechie being in there looking even better than yeah. he did when they scouted him when they when they liked him when they drafted him last year so like that to me excites me. Didn't want to put, I guess in my mind, I didn't want to put too much expectation and pressure on John Mechie as an idea. But it is something that's exciting because it does look like he's going to play this year. You know, it, it, it does feel that way. And I was reading, even last night, it's funny that you mentioned this, I was reading last night Bleacher Report, who I do some work for. Had, oh, yeah, I didn't even mention them yeah, in your intro. Yeah, yes, well, it's, and it's just a, kind of another one of the things that I do, like uh, side work, but they, they had a, a piece out that was titled, uh, the, the idea of it was the forgotten 2022 draft picks that could make an impact. Oh, okay, that's a good one. And John Mechie is an obvious candidate for that because it was easy to, for, in a football context, easy, easy to forget about him because he didn't play. Sure. But like to me, he should be at the top of the list and, and certainly for the Texans. And so um, I, I think that despite being uncomfortable about talking about him and, and wanting to be like really focused on his physical health just as a human being, I am very, very much excited to see how he can contribute and where he fits into the mix of this wide receiver. Because there's been a lot of conversation, DP, especially on the wide receiver group as a whole. Oh, on Sports Radio 610, we've (laughs) hammered it home. Like, we don't know. We're not not really sure about the wide receiver group. What they, we even brought it straight to D'Amico Ryans when he appeared on with us. And of course, you know, he believes in his guys, but Uh we're like, ah, we don't know. But John Mechie, absolutely adds a different element and is a different factor in all of that. Yeah, I mean, I, even last year when he was going through his diagnosis, we would see him walking through the locker room. Just we'd be covering the locker room with, you know, the players that were playing the game at the time. And, and they all just, you know, he there's something about him that's very magnetic. Yeah. And it's not the leukemia. I think it's just who he is as a person. Yeah. He's just very positive And everyone just sort of drawn to him. I've seen him quite a bit just as soon as the season ended. He was always out here doing his workouts on the field. So I think when he does return to football in whatever capacity that is or what that might look like, it's going to be a huge story. And I think we're just sort of all really rooting him on in a, like, I like how you put it. No, no real expectations of him. I think that's so unfair to put that on someone that's been through what he's been through. But if, and when he does come back, that's going to be a huge story. Yeah. I think it's fair not to do the heavy expectation, but also I would say fun to do the what if to play the because I mean we're at that yeah. point of the season now like they haven't played yet so you know we're talking about this going into training camp you can play the what if game and I have only recently allowed myself to play the what if game with John Mechie saying okay what if John Mechie is really good what if John Mechie is some version of the guy that they drafted out of Alabama. You talk about forgotten guys. Mm -hmm. And I think this was a lot of this piece that I mentioned from Bleacher Report was a lot in the context of, you know, maybe guys that just didn't have an impactful rookie year. But with him not playing at all, I think it's been easy to forget. Like he hasn't played in the NFL and maybe it's just easy to forget what he was at Alabama. Yeah, he's two years removed from playing. This guy was a player. He was. Like this guy was an all out 
baller at Alabama. And so if he's any version of that, the Texans and certainly the Texans fans are in for a treat. Yeah, I think when D'Amico Ryan said uh, everything's on target and I think John Mechie will be good to go for training camp, I think that's when we started to get a little excited about Mechie again. So uh, that's that's one of my burning questions. What about you? You got another burning question for camp? Yeah, and so I'll just stick with the wide receivers here. Okay. We haven't even gotten to the defensive side, but there's so many, I guess, interesting and fun burning questions on the offensive side of the ball. But maybe this has been a question for me every – training camp for the past three years but i'm gonna go ahead and do this go ahead what is nico collins <laughs> what is he is this the year yeah because i mean you're out there dp you see that guy i mean he, he makes some phenomenal catches in man. practice and in camp he is the ultimate looks the part guy absolutely he looks the part and, and honestly and I've, I've said this before i'll say it again prior to his injury last year Early on in the season, yeah, I thought Nico Collins was making strides and taking steps. I know the offense struggled quite a bit, and you know how much do you want to factor in how much they struggled, uh, what the talent makeup of was the t- of the team and all of that. You can you can talk about that, but just in a vacuum, his performance, I thought Nico Collins was taking some extra steps, and I want to see if there's another step for him to take in year three, and you know if the if the quarterback situation is different, which we ex- suspected very well could be with C.J. Stroud. How does and of course Bobby Slowick, as the offensive coordinator and play caller, how does all of that factor in into Nico Collins' development and where is he at in year three? Um, I, I feel like going into camp, he's certainly going to be somebody to watch. But how does it translate onto the field once the games start mattering? Nico Collins is like he's almost like a camp crush, you know, like <laughs> somebody that you just We've can't had wait quite to watch. A few over the years, yeah, too. Yeah, I, I will say, though, too, a thing that I noticed from being out there. That wide receiver group. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, just uh, on the wide receiver group, though, with Nico, he and Robert Woods were like a tandem. Mm-hmm. You know, Robert Woods, the veteran that they signed, sure. obviously accomplished. Two guys that walked around like they were the mm-hmm. top guys. I don't know that to be the case, that they are the top guys, but they certainly look like it. From my observations when I was out there, they're the ones that are taking the very specific work with the quarterbacks. Uh, they were attached at the hip on the sideline when they weren't involved in a specific drill. So what is Nico Collins is a camp question that I hope I feel like I've got a better answer to by the time camp ends. I think it's because you really want someone to fill in that number one receiver spot. Yeah. You got no more Brandon Cooks. Yep. And Nico's been the one that's been here the longest, yep. even though the system has changed every year that he's been here. Unfortunately for him, and he's dealt with injuries, but then you bring in Robert Woods, you've got Tank Dell, yeah. who's super exciting to watch. And then there were a couple of guys that I thought had some pretty good um, OTAs in minicamp. Johnny Johnson, Jared yep. Wayne, um, Alex Bachman. Yep. I feel like he's he always is you know shows up here in the, on the offseason as well. Well, so it felt like he was in every drill. And you don't want to read too much into it, but then, you know, when someone's having such a great offseason yeah. or, and or camp, yeah. then you think, like, they've really got a shot to make this roster. But I think the wide receiver group as a whole, I mean, that's one that's had sort of the biggest question marks. And then, of course, you go out and you draft a guy, um, Xavier Hutchinson, who yeah. I, I thought he, he looked he looked pretty, pretty good out there as well yeah. in the few drills, you know, that that I saw him in. Yeah, I think with Xavier Hutchinson, he's kind of a wild card in terms of like this wasn't a guy that was drafted in one of the high rounds, but when you look at his career at Iowa State, mm-hmm. like he was uber productive. And it's hard to argue with production. It's the same thing with some, you know, similar with CJ Stroud, similar with Will Anderson. Have whatever question marks you want to have about any guy, but you can't argue with just flat out production you know like you've got the evidence right there and he's one of those guys who hey he might not have the measurables that 
jump off the chart or jump off the screen to you necessarily, but the guy plays football, knows football. So I'm interested to see how he factors into a group that doesn't necessarily have someone that's distinguishing this, themselves as far and away the guy. Like I could very well see him playing his way into the mix. So I'm, I'm intrigued by Xavier Hutchinson as well. All right, DP's going to have more. Brandon Scott on the other side, including which rookies should we all be paying attention to in training camp? I know I've got some, and Seth and I talked about one in particular. You just heard that name, Xavier Hutchinson. What about B. Scott? Who's, who does he have his eyes on for training camp coming up here in a few weeks? Three weeks from today, to be exact. Three weeks from today, to be exact. Well, in a few minutes, you'll hear what Brandon has to say right here on Texans All Access. Yes, sir. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And I'm going to keep reminding you, next Tuesday, July 11th, live All Access, 6 to 7, BMW of the Woodlands. Mark and I obviously are going to be out there doing the show. We're going to have cheerleaders on hand. We're going to have Chester Pitts there as well. We're going to be giving away training camp tickets, tickets to a Texans game in 2023. We're going to be giving away HEB stuff and Listen, if you've never been to a remote, Mark turns into like a Texan Santa Claus. I mean, he's handing out gifts to everybody. So it's Christmas in July, BMW of the Woodlands. Come check us out, our live all-access show next week. All right, let's get back to it with our guy Brandon Scott. He sat down with Deep Sitter for a little deep slant interview. They talked about any number of things. And when we left, they were about to discuss the rookies that Brandon will have his eye on, his eyes on as we get to training camp. Seth and I talked about Xavier Hutchinson and what he could bring to this uh, organization comes well, starting July, actually, the training camp, July 26th, three weeks from today. Who are the rookies Brandon Scott's got his eyes on? Let's take a listen. All right, I got a question for you, and this is a question that I feel like comes up every year in camp. Okay. Uh, rookies that could earn starting roles that are really going to stand out once those pads come on. All right. Like this... We talk about C.J. Stroud, oh, but yeah. let's talk about some of the other – who are some of the other rookies you think – could be bona fide starters. This is going to be the test for me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it and do it here. Henry Toto. Yeah. Did I do it right? Yeah, Toa Toa. Uh, he, he's one that I've talked about quite a bit, too. Yeah. Just yeah. because he's intriguing in the middle um, the, with that middle linebacker position. He's played with Christian Harris before. Right, right. So all you got to consider all of that. Uh, he's, he's being coached. His head coach is a linebacker himself. An Alabama linebacker at that. Yeah. Like just all of the ties just make you think, okay, there's got to be something there. The makeover at linebacker. I think they brought in what – we've joked about this on the air that they brought in like 75 linebackers. <laughs> uh, and, of course, that's not the <laughs> when, number. Since when? Since this year? Since, 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 yeah, since the, the since offseason. Since Nick Casario arrived here? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, if you want to add that, then yeah. 175. But, yeah, it, it definitely feels like over the offseason that between free agency and then, of course, the drafting of Toto, yeah. that they have made this – Let's call it a position of priority. And so I want to see exactly how he factors in all of that. Henry Toto is someone that I feel like Nick Casario has spoken about. You know, he did an interview with us on Sports Radio 610 in the morning with Payne and Pendergast where he brought up Henry Toto unsolicited. He wasn't asked about Henry Toto. He just brought him up, hmm. you know. And, and whenever that happens, you know this, like it, when you interview somebody or when you're doing media, when – Someone brings up a person or thing that was not necessarily in the question, that's noteworthy. Right. Like, like it's not just noteworthy how they answer your question, but also the things that they redirect toward and want to talk about. The fact that the general manager specifically wanted to talk about the guy makes me intrigued by him. So you ask me, it's between two things. 
the fact that they've made a concerted effort to make over the linebacking core in some capacity and how they've talked about him since he's been here. So yeah, that, that's I would agree with you. Certainly to watch out for. Not, and not a name that you hear a lot about. Right. No, I, I think that we will get to know. We saw him getting some first-team reps yeah. here in, in minicamp, which I thought was noteworthy to see him out there quite a bit. And they were mixing and matching, you know, based on, like, whatever day it was. But I, I thought the number of first-team reps he got was very interesting, and he's yeah. definitely someone to watch. I, I think the obvious one for me is Tank Dell. Yeah. You know, he's just – Flash, you know, he wears a necklace flash. He is a flash. He he looks I Drew and I Drew Doherty and I were talking about how we thought he'd be smaller stepping out there the first time and you know because everyone just talks about his size. He wasn't that small, but he was just so fast yeah. that I think that just sort of compensates for it and I, I think seeing him on the return team and and seeing his chemistry with CJ Stroud and with Davis Mills uh was exciting. So I have I think reverse logic on small guys who play football. Okay. I am terrified of the little guys who play football. You think they play bigger bigger for a reason? Come on. Yeah. If, <laughs> if, if you can be Tank Dell's size and make it to the NFL, you've got to be some type of tough guy. Sure. So, like, you know, when they were having the questions about Bryce Young, as a, could he be a, 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 an NFL quarterback at his size? And, and, you know, the Texans end up drafting Tank Dell. Is he big enough to play the position? I'm like, guys – how many of you have played sports with a small per- – like anybody who I've ever seen play sports that was smaller and was good, they were always – had some like extra level of toughness to them. Right. So, yeah. Or some physical trait that yeah. you just can't that – that, that compensates for that lack of size or height. Yeah. Right? Well, and and all, for him, it's probably his speed. Yeah, it's his speed, but I also and think – his shiftiness. Yeah, shiftiness, but also I think that there's something to – being the smaller person that plays the tough, the tough person's game uh-huh. to where you, I don't, I'm not saying he feels like he's got something to prove, but you're fully aware that you're smaller than everybody. And I think that they compensate for it with some physical attribute or skill yeah. like you're talking about, but also with some toughness too, because you're already small. You can't, you can't be like scared or timid or anything because you're already undersized. So like I, I almost look at the, the size as a weapon because they know how to use it to their advantage. And then also I think that they've internalized it in some kind of way that's made them compensate for it in toughness as well. So I've got no concern with a guy who's small like that. It's more about schematically getting them open. And from what I can tell, Tank Dell is a dude that can get himself open. Yeah, he's so, hard to cover, apparently. Yeah. Even Nick Casario said no one can cover him at the Senior Bowl. And yeah. and yeah. I've heard from a lot of analysts, PFF, I, I think I spoke with someone from PFF, Sam Monson, who said he was hard to cover in the in college and be hard to cover in the NFL as well. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's get to the, the big looming elephant in the room, C.J. Stroud. Yeah. I mean, what's going to happen there? We're talking about rookies that could be starters. And from what we've seen in minicamp and OTAs, is that something that he establishes as I, I'm the starter of this team in camp? The best way I can put it, DP, is that C.J. Stroud is clearly here for a reason. They didn't just draft him for their own edification or just for you-know-whats and giggles. They drafted him <laughs> for a reason. They, they, you don't draft someone number two overall yeah, he, and he, then just stash him away. That's exactly uh-huh. right. And so I don't know when it, when it happens exactly. But it happens at some point where this becomes his team. The burning question is: Will it be in camp, will or it will in, it be during the season? Right? Yeah, and it's funny. I did this. We did this segment earlier in the day on the radio. Of when, if you had to predict, when does C.J. Stroud get named the starter? When is his? When does that moment come? And I just, you know, spitballing, made the prediction of sometime between. It's going to be between 
the second and third weeks of the preseason. So after okay. the joint practice and, and preseason game against Miami and, and before New Orleans, okay? And that, that's just a, a prediction projection. No one is, is, is being held to that. That's just He the, does not know any secret no. knowledge or he doesn't have a... a no, crystal ball, none Crystal of that. ball looking into a, the future. It's just a random proje- projection. Okay, I like that. But, but the idea for me is that he's here for a reason, and which I said... But on top of that, like I, I, it comes down to the only way it doesn't happen is if he shows, if he gives them a reason not to. Like if he could, if his performance in camp and in the preseason just confirms what was already the feeling on C.J. Stroud, then I'd have a hard time believing because those feelings and thoughts are positive. They yes. led them to yes, draft yes, him yes, number two yes. overall. So if all he does is just confirm those feelings, and there's going to be a learning curve. It's not to say that he's going to be perfect or make mm-hmm. a great throw every time or make a great decision every time. But if he's just consistent with what they thought him to be, then I think it's, you know, I think it's basically his job to claim. It's just about the, the timing of it, and I gave you my prediction. I think it will happen well before the season starts. All right, I'm going to give you one um, on the defensive side. I okay. think there's been a lot of chatter about Derek Stingley. Yes. Him looking muscular, him looking bigger. Last year was disappointing. He ended it, you know, with injury. And then we saw what happened with Sauce Gardner. He gets Defensive Rookie of the Year. Right. It's a new system. It's a new playbook. It's a new coaching staff. It's a new year for Derek Stingley. I'm very intrigued by what we're going to see out of him in camp. Yeah, I am a card-carrying member of the Derek Stingley fan club. Okay. So I, I think that, that <laughs> yeah, may it's be... It's not member of one. There's, there's plenty yeah. of members in that club. There's yeah. plenty of members. There are some skeptics, and I think it's, some of it is fair because of the injury history. Like, he hasn't really completed a season healthy, you know, in three, you know, in three seasons since... He burst onto the scene as a mm-hmm. freshman at LSU in 2019, which was a historic year on a number of levels for LSU. But to me, just the player profile projects as one that should be an elite player in this league. All he's got to do is answer the health question and stay on the field. I have almost no concerns about Derek Stingley as a player. It's simply answering the health question. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic about that. And why wouldn't you be? You would, Especially this time of year, you want to, like, wish health on a guy you of know? course even if it's yeah. not a guy on a team that you root for you know you don't you don't want to see a guy's career not work out for any other reason of his like aside from his own performance so i'm i'm looking forward to Derek steely especially in the new system mm-hmm. uh my guy seth Payne, who you know a friend of ours colleague uh, original texan seth Payne, yes likened it to last year with Derek stingley he compared to driving a Ferrari in a school zone. I remember hearing this. <laughs> which is one of my favorite analogies or comparisons that I've heard. The thing that you drafted him for, what he was so good at doing, you yes. never used him in that capacity. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. So so to get the Ferrari out on the racetrack or wherever it's appropriate to drive really, really fast is uh, is something that I'm looking forward to with, with, All right. with Derek Stangley, absolutely. Okay, I'm looking forward to it as well. Any other burning camp questions for you, Brandon Scott? Yeah, well, I, I think that the defense... So we talked a little bit about Henry Toto, yeah. but just to not make it specific to him, I would just say the linebackers in general, I think it's going to be an upgraded position. I just don't know exactly what it all is going to look like. And so maybe I get a better sense for that by the end of camp. And I... We could lump in the entire front seven into that mix. I just think that yeah, because we haven't even talked about Will Anderson or John Grenard or Jerry Hughes and 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 think about that. There's a lot of potential there. Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard as or Will Anderson and Jerry Hughes as a pass rushing dynamic. Or let's say 
all of those guys and insert your favorite pass rushing interior guy or even you know whoever's left over as an, as an edge rusher and they line up all of those guys along the defensive line in obvious pass rushing situations. I feel comfortable talking about this now because Nick Casario actually mentioned it in an interview, but we saw that. We saw them dummy that out of let's just put all of our best athletes on the front on the front line here and see what we got. We're, and so in that case, you see Will Anderson lining up inside. So what does this front seven look like, especially in comparison to the way it's looked over the last couple of years? And I, a, a place where they obviously need to upgrade and to play better. Let's just be flat out about it. They've got to be better there. I think they are better there. How much better? What does that camp battle look like with an offensive line that you hope is upgraded and better as well? Like, I'm very interested to see that. One camp battle we didn't talk about, I don't know if this is a burning question or just a camp battle, but Will Anderson versus Larry Tunsil and or Titus Howard. Yeah, It's a question that I've failed to ask anybody uh, in our media availabilities. It always escapes me, but it's something I always think about as well. Like, can't wait until the game actually gets physical. And here we have a Pro Bowl, I think, all pro caliber. Should be all pro. I 100% agree with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. At least caliber left tackle. And should be yeah. an at least caliber left tackle in Larry Tunsil established already. And then Will Anderson on the other side, someone – we project to be along the same lines on as a counterpart on his side. So what does that look like? I'm really interested in that. That's a great training camp battle. Yeah. One to look forward to once the pads come on. Yep. All right, Brandon Scott, what else are you working on this offseason? Because oh I'm God. sure I missed a lot of it earlier. I know you're doing a ton of things. Oh, my God. So all the C.J. Stroud content that you can handle, I'll be doing stuff on that. <laughs> uh, Damian Pierce is somebody who I would like to just – have a conversation with. Hey, you, Wouldn't you guys, we all? Wouldn't you guys all? get to talk to him. He does. He comes in this very room that we're sitting in and do and does post game shows uh -huh. with my guy Sean Pendergast, my guys Sean Pendergast and Clint Sterner. But I've actually only talked to Damian Pierce one on one one time. I've okay. had him in the press conference setting. I've had him in the in the locker room. But at some point, I want to get him aside and just have a good old country boy to country boy conversation <laughs> with Damian Pierce. Uh, I would really really like that. He seems like a good. Uh, like a good time to talk to. Um, ha ha got to the other DP. You could the talk other to the DP. other DP. Yeah. Absolutely. Got to spend a little bit of time around him during the draft party, but there was a lot going, a lot of moving parts that night as well. So mm -hmm. that's something that I'm looking forward to. And if I can, if I can manifest that, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll, there'll definitely be content produced from it. So that's just among the things I want to take a deeper look at this defense. But there's and a lot of the things that we've talked about will be things that I write about over time. So yeah, just. Make In sure, addition sure. to all of your other duties with Astros, yeah. Rockets, yep, yep. you're back writing for the Astros again. Yeah, yeah I cover the Astros and on a Rockets daily basis. I do a Rockets crazy podcast. Crazy busy right now, yeah. There are not enough season. hours in the day, DP. <laughs> you might be aware. <laughs> no, they're not. But we're glad that you could spare a little bit of time here for Texans Radio. Brandon's always a pleasure. I need to get you back on a camp, and then we can revisit the answers to our burning questions. Yes, you asked me to come. And do this show, the answer will always be yes. It will always be yes. So I'll anytime. take you up on that. Anytime. B. Scott, always a pleasure. Thanks for the time. Thank you. The man affectionately known as B. Scott. Brandon Scott joining DP City. That was some fun stuff. Uh, I love listening to Brandon. I've told him that. Uh, I think he's one of the most talented dudes I've been around. And he does so much for so many different people. He writes for the Chronicle. He does all the website stuff for Sports Radio 610. On a mic, he's great. Uh, great at press conferences. Excellent insight and analysis and questions you get from Brandon Scott. So, uh, yeah, he is – he's, like I said earlier, he's that big old Swiss Army knife. Not the small one, the big old one, because he can do so many things. Brandon K. Scott, appreciate that. All right, we're going to go around the NFL next. Some news happening throughout the league. So let's hit on that quickly. 
in our final segment of Texans All Access now. We got one final segment this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst. A final reminder for this evening, of course. Next Tuesday, July 11th, 6 to 7, live All Access out at BMW of the Woodlands. Mark and I will do our show live. We'll have our buddy Chester Pitts out with us. Texans cheerleaders will be hanging out, uh, signing autographs, and we'll also be giving away things. And when, if you've never been to a remote, Mark gives away things like he's a Texan Santa Claus. He's just, here, you get tickets, and you get tickets, and tickets to the Texans game, tickets to training camp, HEB gift cards, all kinds of stuff. So get on out there, BMW of the Woodlands, 6 to 7, next Tuesday, July 11th. All right, around the league, let's go. I think one of the bigger stories uh, probably within the last few weeks has been the Stephon Diggs situation. Josh Allen sat down uh, with the Bustin' the Boys podcast with Will Compton and Taylor Luan and says the media completely blew up the Stephon Diggs situation during minicamp. As Josh Allen said, there's no reason to continue talking about it. So I hope, I hope Josh Allen's right. I don't like seeing drama. And I'll say this, partly because uh, I've become very close with silent reporter Sal Capaccio. Uh, I love Sal. He's fantastic. I I want the Bills to do well. I love that fan base. It's crazy, it's wild, but they're fun. They're, they're positive. It's a positive group. I, I just, I really like that Bills team. And, and I like Josh Allen because I know Josh Allen's gone through it to get there. And when that stuff started popping up with Stephon Diggs, he's at practice, McDermott, Sean McDermott head coach said, no, he's not, he's there, he's but Like, it was really confusing. And I texted Sal because something else was going on. I texted him, and I think it was his birthday or something. I texted him, happy birthday. And then he's just like, yeah, it's great, except we got drama around here. I'm like, Hey, you you got nothing in the way of drama <laughs> considering what it's been. But hopefully the media did blow that out of proportion and the Bills can get back to it at that point. Miami Dolphins have signed their second round pick. Cam Smith, cornerback that I really liked uh, from South Carolina. He signs with the Dolphins. And I think the Dolphins might have the best secondary in the league. You throw in Cam Smith along with newly acquired Jalen Ramsey. Xavier Howard's already there. Uh, Kadar Kohu. Um, was a rookie who played a lot last year for that group. Javon Holland, I think, is one of the better safeties in the league. He was one of my big, big draft um, supports. I, I really liked him coming out of Oregon. So Dolphins, add Cam Smith to the crew. That's going to be a tough secondary to throw on there in the AFC. Josh Allen, who we just mentioned, will have a hard time throwing against them. Commander center Chase Roulier announces retirement after six seasons. That Washington offensive line was not very good to begin with. And now they lose their man in the middle, Chase Roulier, announces his retirement after six years, six seasons with the Commanders, and he is done as this show is done as well. Appreciate you guys listening. Big thanks, huge thanks to Brandon Scott and, of course, D.P. Sidhu. It'll be good to see them back in the building next week. Uh, Brandon's just a great dude, and he's great on the mic. It's fantastic. Knows his stuff in, in every sport. Um, he is one of, he should be a, a Houston, a cherished Houston contributor for many, many years in the media for sure. Um, he's, he's awesome. Uh, I'm glad that he spent some time talking with DP about his story, te- Texans, et cetera, et cetera. And a big thanks to you guys for listening. We will see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.